Aussies are really, really big meat eaters and consume a lot. And I think changing that habit in Australia is something that's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, welcome to our next episode of our Australian Pork Podcast, Next on the Menu. It's a podcast that's a curation of conversations on the future of food. We're loving chatting to some incredible people across the entire food industry and being able to explore their perspectives on the innovations that will challenge the world of food as we know it. I'm Andrew Billy Baxter, Chair of Australian Pork, and I'm really looking forward to co-hosting this episode with Mitch Edwards, our General Manager of Business and Innovation. Billy, I have to say this has to be one of the best parts of the job for me, having the chance to talk to really clever people from all sides of the fence. The challenging yet exciting part is piecing all those perspectives together to work out where we need to head, in some cases, where we need to begin. Yeah, I think, look, we've covered so much territory so far between, you know, futurists, young Australian butchers on the world stage, Diana Rogers from the US, in terms of her perspective on on regenerative uh, agriculture and the the storylines around around meat. So some incredible uh, coverage so far as we explore that future of food. And And it's my pleasure to introduce our next guest for this episode, Charlotte Gilbert, the General Manager of Meat at Coles. And from what I hear, Charlotte's extremely passionate about, you know, great food, partnerships with producers and telling a really good provenance story. So something we've touched upon many times in this podcast series already. Charlotte's actually been with Coles since 2005 and has held a number of roles within the merchandise buying team, most of the time with that strong focus on fresh food. In her time at Coles, Charlotte's seen some notable shifts like we all have in the meat industry, including our own South Stall Free Pork, RSPCA-approved meat, and even over the last 12 months, the impressive Gray's grass-fed Tasmanian lamb range. And prior to Coles, Charlotte was at Tesco in the UK, firstly in the graduate program, I believe. We'll touch on that in a minute. And, and then she quickly progressed through multiple buying roles across fresh food and grocery. So Charlotte's clearly incredibly well-versed in all things retail, and this is going to be a great conversation. Charlotte, welcome to the Next on the Menu podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Mitch. Thanks for having me, Billy. I'm very excited to be joining you today. Well, thank you, Charlotte. I want to jump right in here and uh, talk about pork. As a category for Coles, it's been, you know, how has it been performing? Even pre-COVID, you were having some quite significant growth compared to two to three years ago. So how is pork going? Is it going well? So pork is going exceptionally well. And I think customers are really waking up to how fantastic it is as a key protein and uh, it's just so versatile and and we've seen amazing growth in our pork category and uh, before COVID but also through COVID that's really stepped on and I think part of that's down to you know certainly over the last six months our customers or some of our customers have been at home and they're really exploring a bit more recipes and just really uh, exploring how to cook and being a little bit more adventurous. And so pork is very definitely on the menu for Australians, which is fantastic. It is good. And I, I know our marketing team has been pushing a lot of that recipe work um, quite heavily because as people have purchased more pork and they've purchased other proteins as well, um, whilst they've had to be at home a lot more, uh, I think it's it's great that people are trying different things. I also want to just touch on, I mean, you guys have done a lot of work in the supply chain over the last few years, You know, quite a bit of innovation in that space, particularly around pork. Maybe just tell us a little bit more about that. If we go back a few years, you know, we're really passionate about great welfare standards and that goes for every meat type that we sell. We're the only retailer that's got an RSPCA accredited free range pork offer and it's something that we're exceptionally proud of. 
you know, we've got some really fantastic farms that we work alongside. So uh, we've got quite a unique model in the fact that we work directly with our farmers. And it gives us a really amazing insight into bringing the absolute best to the Australian table. And, uh, you know, I guess our welfare standards are absolutely critical in, in making sure that we are doing the right thing and also bringing the best to the table in terms of quality. On a, sort of another note of the small goods end of the scale, Charlotte, at Australian Pork, we are you know, really clearly focused on differentiating between small goods, ham and bacon made with Australian pork versus imported pork. And we know that's a majority imported. Consumers aren't really aware, no matter how much we're trying to tell them that you know, this, this is the case. How can Coles help us with this story? Most of pork in small goods is absolutely comes from an imported source. But we are working behind the scenes to write that. And um, we're in our really early stages of basically really supporting and growing out some larger pigs for a um, a ham program, certainly in our deli. And it's something that we're really excited about because it's, it's something that we feel that customers are really going to resonate with and, and are looking for a product that is Australian within the ham category. So, uh, yeah, baby steps at the moment, but certainly uh, we are moving forward on that. So very exciting. Oh, that's very exciting. And just touching on that, I mean, what do you think some of the barriers are to consumers with pork um, beyond a couple of those things? How can you know we continue that push where where pork's becoming you know a, a growing protein again? What are some of the consumer trends you're seeing at your end? One of the barriers has been how to cook, and I think we have to constantly continue with our customers around demystifying how easy pork is really to cook and and to put on the table. So I I think that's one thing that we all have to continue to do. But it is such a versatile product. I think we've just got to show the how and how delicious it is as well. You know, when you get it right, when you get pork crackling right, it's just absolutely off the charts. And, uh, And for me, it is the king of roasts. So you know, we just got to do a collectively a really good job of letting customers know and, and informing them and educating them around how to bring that product to the table and make that experience as uh, perfect as possible. Well, and I suppose a good place for us to start is, you know, ask the question like, what is Coles as a business looking for from our pork producers? You know, is it in the space of innovation, sustainability, animal welfare, something that we should be asking loud and clear? Well, animal welfare absolutely is critical. You know, we always are looking for all of our suppliers to do the right thing. And uh, and we've got really strict standards around what we'll accept, certainly at Coles. But I think, you know, looking forward, how do we make it a much more consistent eating experience? And, uh, you know, Bortaint has definitely been on my mind. And, you know, if a customer has a, a bad experience due to Bortaint, that can, I think, be quite challenging to then win that customer back into the category. So I do think there is more work that we need to do there about really understanding that more effectively and making sure that we're addressing that in the best way that we can. I think our producers listening are probably also keen to understand, you know, what they can learn from some of the other meats, you know, proteins and what they're doing in at Coles. And I know in the past you've looked after seafood as well. I mean, what are some of the others doing well that we can learn from? Well, look, I think there's some great innovations going on across all proteins and, and the industry is in quite a transformational point. And particularly as our customers are kind of, I think there are a lot of questions certainly from our customers around consumption rates and, and how much meat they should be eating. 
innovation is always really, really important. And whether that's product innovation all the way through the chain, that has to stay at the forefront of all of our producers' minds around how we can do things better and also be really aware of the environmental impact. So sustainability is absolutely critical. So I think they're the key areas that we're seeing movement in, I guess, across the meat business around how do we think about our uh, footprint, our carbon footprint and our sustainable footprint differently and how are we really kind of stepping forward with uh, true innovation within that space. And while we're talking about the alternative proteins and how we're tracking against them, there's another big one out there, you know, the alternative proteins with as in plant-based meats or plant-based products. From your insight, what is the consumer sentiment around these and has it been backed up by sales? I think, you know, there is a real interest from consumers on plant-based. Whether that's actually translating hard enough through sales is a, is a really interesting question. So, I think that business is in its infancy. You know, Aussies are really, really big meat eaters and consume a lot. And I think changing that habit in Australia is something that's not going to happen anytime soon. Having said that, we launched a plant-based business last year and specifically put it in meat for those customers that are saying, you know what, I want a day off meat. I'm going to have a meat-free Monday, but I still want it to taste and perform similar to meat. And so it has resonated and, and it is growing, but albeit it still is a very small part of the market. And the rationale of putting that plant-based product in the meat category is that sort of to really pick up another meal that's not meat? It's to, to make sure, I guess, customers have an alternative. So when they do go to meat and they're, they're thinking, mm, I might have a day off, it's a really obvious next step to look within the meat category, in the meat case, or whatever that option is. And is it growing the whole category? Is it like almost adding extra sales to it, or is it an alternative? Like is bringing it a, the is vegans it, to the yeah, meat cabinet it, building. Yeah or, is it, yeah, or is it switching out? No, it's growing the category, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. So what do you think will happen? You know, I know it's early days and you said it's in its infancy, but um, if you're five or ten years ahead, where do you think the balance might end up in the category between those plant-based proteins and the fresh meat side of things? You know, I, I'm not sure it's going to be as big as certainly the kind of sentiment is feeling right now because, as I say, Australians love their meat and, uh, you know, second highest consumption in the world. You know, I just feel that we've got a deep connection to our farming communities and um, I think that really plays out at the dinner table. And you can see that with how our customers behave. You know, they do like their meat on the menu. That's true. And you, and you guys have also been doing a lot in that sustainability and environment space. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but if you, what sort of programs can we expect going forward? Is it, you'll, I'm assuming you'll continue in that push? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we're looking at really sort of innovative ways to support our farming communities more effectively. One of the amazing things that we did this year, and, uh, and again, it's in its early sort of stages, but um, we take some of our red cycle plastic, which is our soft plastic that our customers can bring back to the store. And we've been turning some of that plastic into fence posts. Yeah. And so areas where we've had farmers affected by bushfires, we've basically um, started to 
refence some of their um, properties. And uh, I think it's just been a really amazing initiative around, you know, how we, we can reuse, recycle and, and, and think differently about sustainability. But I think, you know, that's just one small example of some of the stuff we're doing within that space because, um, you know, it's kind of interesting as to where you start and stop but we do know that that's an important part of our strategy now just before we we finish up Charlotte, we've, we've been asking quite a few of our guests how, how they got into the industry and I, and I know it looked like you stepped you know pretty much straight out of university into into tesco and into that fresh food category what was the you know what got you in there and and what's you know i suppose inspired you to stay in the category for so long yeah look, I, I mean i love buying every day there is something new you learn about the industry which is just fascinating in terms of getting into it, I kind of fell into it really. I suppose as part of my degree, I um, had to take a, a year out in industry. I spent a year with the business and they said, oh, look, if you want to go and finish your degree, you've got a job when you come back. And um, I found like uh, I just found my niche and it was just fascinating, particularly meat. I think meat has just been a real, an amazing learning journey. And, and I guess I've just met so many inspirational people along the way and when certainly we meet our farmers they're just such a fantastic group of individuals who are really really ingenious and you know consider problems from multiple different angles and how they solve them and it's just you know such a fabulous business to be part of and I I just feel very privileged to be in the position that I am. I can totally join you on that one Charlotte I I think it gets in your veins I, I joined the meat industry at a young age, like 17, and here I am many, many, many decades <laughs> later, um, but still totally passionate about it. Just It just gets you. And it's interesting because we've had a lot of questions come from our pork producers in anticipation of us talking to you today. So before we wrap up, I'd just like, you've actually covered pretty much all of them, but there was one question that I just wanted to put to you. Yeah. One question was, what are your observations about the future of global pork protein trade? especially in the context of the pressures of um, ASF has put on worldwide supplies and drawing on your experience in the EU for the fresh food market? Well, that's a big question. It is big, um, isn't it? I, I thought to myself, that one didn't get covered because I don't think anyone, we thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Too clever for us. You know, it is a worry, isn't it? It's a, it's a worry to the industry. We are watching it. We are concerned by it. I think Actually, if we can protect our market, it does open up opportunity for us. You know, I think that the Australian pork industry is at a really interesting point where it can go from strength to strength. And, you know, as long as we're protected and we protect from a health point of view our farmers, then, you know, I actually see there should be upside. But, yeah, I mean, very, very concerning to watch. Well, thank you so much. I mean, and that's a great perspective just there. And, I, and I, you know, you can hear, all our listeners can hear how supportive you guys are of the pork industry. So we really appreciate that. And I'm sure they've learned a lot and gained a lot of insights from our chat. So great to talk to you today and learn a lot more about what's happening at Coles. Charlotte, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and being on our Next on the Menu podcast today. No problem. Speak soon. Thanks, darling. Well, Mitch, that was great to chat with Charlotte Gilbert from Coles. You know, really interesting stuff that she talked about with us today. We've now retired to the cellar. It is the very end of the season. And we thought, hey, we better just chill out, relax, recap the season, go through a few things, figure out what we liked and didn't like. But, Billy, we're going to do it in a bit of a fun way. We're going to play a game. Right. You and I, together, turn for turn, are going to go through each of the guests we had on our podcast 
and we've got to recap what were the highlights of that episode. Right. And if people haven't quite caught it, our producers, our wonderful Australian poor producers, we can inspire them to go back and have another listen because there's been so much great talent this season. It we've been, been very lucky. It's been amazing. I mean, we've spoken to some absolutely amazing people from all around the world. So you're first up. Melissa Clark Reynolds, our futurist. New, our New Zealand futurist. She was great. I think she talked a lot about consumer trends, um, opportunities for our sector, talked a lot about innovation and the, the consumer side of you know where consumer demand is going to go in the future. And I think I just think she gave us some great tips about what we should be watching out for going forward. So I think that was Melissa. I mean, she was incredible. You could have listened to her for hours. I also got with Melissa, though, that as a futurist, I find that sort of overwhelming but she made it really clear on what you do. You just look, you look for signs. Yeah. No, she was very good. I think second up, we had Luke Layson, our rock star butcher from Goodwood Quality Meats. Luke is an absolute gem. He's actually quite inspirational. He's a young guy um, running one of the most impactful butcher shops in the country, doing some amazing work with pork. But he's actually really clever with his social media. And I think that sort of uh, highlights to butchers, but all of us, that you need to be you know, on trend and on the ball with, with what's happening in the world. Was it a million um, views of one of his TikToks or something? I ridiculous? know, it was, it was insane. The guy is just a gem and he's an absolute gentleman. It was a pleasure to talk to Luke. But Billy, I've got another one for you. Stephen... And I can never get his last name right, but he's from Fairtrade. Nankervis. Nankervis. So, I mean, you and I have known Nank for a long, long time. You've known him through the industry. I actually went through uni with him many, many years ago. And I think Fairtrade's a great organisation. He talked a lot about their traceability systems and also ethical farming and the importance of supporting the community. If you think about farming in general and if you've got that quintessential view of that, that's what it should be all about. But I did think for us that those tracing systems, the provenance, where things yeah. come from, you know, looking after people and, and paying the price for the effort that people put into stuff. I thought he was terrific. He's um, actually had a great journey through the whole of the food service industry. And now he can sort of build upon that and give us more. Next up, we had uh, your good friend Nino Zakali from Pendolinos and La Rosa in the city here in Sydney. Speaking of legends of the industry... I've known Nino for a long time. Nino actually was instrumental in helping us get the Pork Star program up. You're right. It was a big help. But Nino was a really good case study for how to survive in a restaurant through COVID. Mm. He pivoted the restaurant and turned a really bad situation into a good situation for himself. But he also helped us because menus are changing through COVID and now post-COVID, mm. if we're post. Yeah. And it really gave us some good insight about how we need to get pork on the menu and the importance of being on the menu. Yeah. He's a, a real mover and shaker in the industry. But Billy, one other that I thought was pretty darn amazing. Diana Rogers, sacred cow producer and director. Yeah, I mean, she's um, produced and directed those documentaries. She's written a book, Sacred Cow. I mean, I think she was all about debunking the myths about meat. And I think there's so many movies out there about why meat's, you know, or in their perceptions, not as good for you. She debunked all those. And the fact that she's yeah. a nutritionist by trade, I think, gave her the credentials to do that. And she talked about that just being, you know, that, you know, in the right moderation, of course, meat and protein is a crucial part of, you know, helping our kids grow up. You know, she also talked about the environmental impact and the importance of that. 
I mean, she really pushed us to tell our story better. She talked to us about Pork having a really good story to Absolutely. tell. Absolutely. And we've sat back too long letting others tell a story that is not true. Yeah. And she's actually about getting the truth out there. Yeah. She's a great storyteller. Very smart lady and obviously a big advocate of our industry. Yes. Next up, we had Ellie Court, who's from ClimateWorks, um, you know, a researcher. He was terrific talking about all the research and sustainability and land use. Ellie was actually really interesting because he highlighted to us a lot of the great work we're already doing. And he did sort of state that our Australian pork producers should be super proud of what they've achieved. We're basically setting the pace for world standards on reducing carbon footprint with the pork industry. Yeah. So we have so much to talk about, like our water usage reduction alone and our conversion to power. We're just doing so much great stuff and it's all part of the story we should be telling. So guys... Going forward, we're telling a story. Yeah, he's a good episode to listen to. I mean, his, his research at the moment on sustainable land use is quite interesting too. So well worth a listen, that episode, I reckon. I've got another one coming up, Billy. There's a young woman who's become a really big mover and shaker in the pork industry rather recently. Her name is Margot Andre. <laughs> yes, our CEO. Yes. And we did have her on and she talked through our five-year strategic plan, um, which has been very well received by industry. And it's a pretty lofty ambition to be Australia's preferred choice protein, which is in our strategic plan, and also how we want to sustainably add a billion dollars to farm gate value by 2025. So I think Margot was great. It's been great to have her on board. She's been our CEO for just over a year and doing a terrific job in helping our industry. I could not be more excited. And, and Margot really highlighted something that I think is a really powerful thing that, you know, the bigger the pie we make, the bigger the slice all the big producers get, which to me was a really profound yeah. sort of thing we need to get across. Then we kicked into some big heavy hitters, Mitch. Tony Lowings, the global CEO of KFC. Global CEO. Could you believe we even had him on the show? Tony, to me, was such a great win. He's the global CEO of KFC, and he gave us his time. And even though it's a competing protein, they have been an amazing company for so many decades since before you were a boy, Billy. Mm. But one thing that I took out from him was about being brave. And you can't get ahead unless you're going to be brave enough to risk making a mistake. And I think that's something that we need to take on with Australian pork. Yeah. We're representing the Australian pork producers, but we have to trust ourselves to go further. And if we don't take chances, we won't get there. And that was something that really came clear yeah. from him. And I think, I mean, they're people-driven culture, I think. You know, it doesn't matter what business you're in. Obviously, our producers can take a lot from that too. But the way he spoke about the importance of their, what was it, a million employees or something yeah. around the world was quite incredible. So, yeah, he was terrific to talk to. Don't forget, though, even though they do sell chicken, there is a lot of bacon on their Absolutely. burgers. Absolutely. <laughs> and one day, that might be Australian bacon. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I've got another great one for you. Dylan Fernando from Dilmarti. What an amazing gentleman. I mean, you could have listened to him. Yes. And just the voice was quite outstanding. So another great global CEO to have on the program. He's the global CEO of Dilmarti. His father, uh, Meryl Fernando, obviously founded Dilmarti and... And the DIL in Dilmarti is for Dilhan. And uh, he was great. I mean, he talked a lot about leaving the right legacy, you know, not just from a farming point of view, but again, from a people point of view and, and how they helped out a lot of the, um, the communities within uh, where they were farming. Uh, the ethos behind that company was just so genuine. Well, a family business, and they never have ever stepped away from forgetting their roots. Yeah. That they started as a 
struggling working class family and they remember that by giving back to other families. So very, very yeah. philanthropic, generous family. Great story. Then, of course, we had Phil Maul, who's the partner at CSIRO's main sequence ventures, and one of their projects is behind V2 Food. Actually, Phil was really interesting because we always look at plant-based food as the vegan vegetarian option, but we need to get it in our heads that it's actually not vegan or vegetarian. It's sort of like flexitarian, mm. and it's going to exist, but we have to see it as another protein competition, even though it's not protein, mm. but it's going to be competing for our space on plate our space in the restaurant. So we really need to think hard about it, but we need to learn how to work with it rather than against it. But one thing that I'm really keen to find out more on is this whole thing about, we cop it from the vegan and vegetarian organizations about how our carbon footprint damages the environment. But if we want to move to plant-based food, it has potentially more devastating impact. Mm. So it is something to consider and it actually does emphasize the need for us, Billy, to tell our story. All of this stuff. Yeah. All these interviews did that. I think so. And, and look, the other thing, it's clear that the CSIRO, as a great Australian organisation that was behind inventing the Wi-Fi that we're all using here today, but, I mean, they are doing so much work with the agricultural sector outside of this as well, and I think that's something else that our producers can embrace. They've got so much data um, within that organisation that they're capturing with a view to trying to help our farmers. So I think it was really interesting to listen to. And I think, Billy, one thing that I've got out of the whole program and this year in particular, where we've all been going through tough times, is the willingness of organisations and people to share. We can probably all grow, like we say working as a pork industry, we can grow better by working together with different companies. But with competing companies, let's just grow the whole thing. Yeah, well, I think that's been a big part of this year is is about that overall learning. You know, we've deliberately not necessarily been just about pork. We've been trying to open everybody's minds up a little bit to what else is out there and how are some of the other industries that you know we see as competitors, how are they going about things? And, and, and yeah. I think there has been a, you know, and I'm sure different producers will have taken different things out of it, as have, and we know that people from outside the pork industry are now tuning in yes. uh, because we're having these sorts of conversations. Well, Billy, on that note, I'd like to salute... Oh, they sound good. They do, don't they? <laughs> 2020 was... A very interesting year. For a lot of people, it's been a very tough and challenging year and probably caused a lot of pain. I've been very proud to be part of the pork industry this year. We took it head on and we actually won. We actually won. We actually created a better world for our pork producers and they've thrived. Our whole industry and the pork world, everyone dug deep and just made this a positive year. So 2021, I hope we have the continued success, but also I'd like to think that our industry partners, whether they're retail or food service, will come along with us. But on that note, to you and our poor producers, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And don't forget, we'll be back for Season 2 in 2021.